of the scrimmage play podcast brought to you by cng paving i am damon dillman bart isley is with us and we've got a special guest this week from western albemarle from unbeaten western albemarle joey birch joining us on the podcast this week joey thanks for taking a couple minutes for our really hard-hitting questions and i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna start with a really hard-hitting one for you here four and oh going into october how are you guys feeling out at western getting off to this unbeaten start um, well, first off, uh, thank you for having me. Happy to be here and always uh, happy to talk some football. But we're feeling real confident. Um, I mean, we got a good defense behind us. Our offense has been clicking, so we're pretty confident. Yeah, I mean, it, that's let's start on the offensive side, man. It, it's, it's always easy. Everybody always needs to talk about offensive line, but your offensive line just seems so sharp, so locked in right now how much have those guys kind of improved and put in the work over the last couple of years together um I mean they've been grinding for sure uh we returned everyone from the spring which is a huge important role in our success so far because we really haven't had any gaps to fill I mean like the the spring was our first real step and then we kind of just continued into the fall and we didn't have to replace anyone and we just kept grinding kept working and it's been doing well yeah is it so they're not the biggest guys you got a couple of big guys, but they're not the biggest guys, but they seem really technically sound. Is that, is that kind of what you've seen from them? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I think collectively as a team, our football IQ is great. Um, like our whole offensive line and like Carson, he plays tight end, but he's in there a ton. So everyone knows what they're doing every play and we just hit our guys and block them. Well, you're doing the segues for me, man. Now, like car, Carson's development is one that we got to talk about that. It, it, he has accelerated so much in the last 12 months. Like, what has he done to kind of put himself in that spot? I mean, he works out all the time. Um, I remember, <laughs> I think our sophomore year, he was, you know, I th he was starting an outside linebacker, but he only weighed like 175. And now he's up at like 215, 220. So during COVID, he was just working, working, working working to get bigger, faster, stronger. And I mean, if you've seen his dad, he's got insane genetics. So uh, <laughs> he's got it all. Yeah, I mean, he just, what's impressive to me too is that not only has he gotten bigger, not only got stronger, but it, it seems like the plays he's making are headier. There's just, there's no, you know, I think that the TA coach said it best, like that just shouldn't be running at 28. I mean, is that, how much does that change things for you guys defensively? I mean, it changes it a little bit and obviously we want people to run at him, but <laughs> if he can, if he can take off half the field and that just makes everything easier for everyone else. Cause we can slant our D lineman away from him. And we know that if they run opposite way, we still got Carson there. When you look to, you, you talked about not having to replace anybody, but you did have to replace Austin Shiflett. How impressive is it what you've had a lot of running backs step into spots, but how impressive is it what Caden Morrow has done over these four games? I mean, it's incredible. Uh, you guys don't see it as much, but I think we all kind of expected this um, going into summer workouts. We saw him uh, working and he might be a little shiftier than Austin is. He's not as downhill, but he's got some nice moves. Yeah, I was going to say it's 
it's really un, an or, orthodox style. Like it, it just, it doesn't look exactly, it's not the one cut and go like Austin was or not sort of that power piece. Like he kind of slides, he kind of moves his hips differently. It, is he just extremely tough to tackle? Yeah, that's it. One guy just does not bring him down. He runs right through arm tackles and uh, he's got the quickest feet on the team. It's hard to tackle. It's a, it, the other guy that comes to mind just from a developmental standpoint is Nathan Simon. You know, he wasn't even the guy who was the starter right out of the gate in the spring, but then he just took that job and just ran with it. You know, how, how impressive is it for a freshman to come in and step in like that? He doesn't, he doesn't just doesn't play like a young guy at all. Uh, I mean, he's been there, been with us since, I think the fall last year, because we held like our own little practices because we wanted to work with each other. So he's been with us for the whole time. But I mean, I think of it as we probably have five quarterbacks on the field on offense just because our guys know football so well. I think it's easier for him because he doesn't have to do everything. We've got uh, we've got five quarterbacks on the field is the way I look at it. Yeah. Tell me tell me about those guys that that just know everything, you know, who, what is that group? I, obviously you're one of them, but what are the, what is that group of guys that just knows the system, knows the game so well? So I'll give here. I don't want to pick and choose. But, <laughs> um, if you're going to make me, I'll go, I'll exclude myself. I'll go Carson, Dakota, it can be uh, more than Nathan. Five. <laughs> yeah. Carson, Dakota, Nathan, and then Spencer Burnett and Ross Bassett and, and myself. But I think, like I said this earlier, but I think our football IQ as a team is just uh, excellent. So one thing that is obviously unique about you is that in an age where everyone, it seems like, is specializing, you are the least specialized athlete maybe that we have in the area. I mean, it, you're truly a throwback, man. Baseball and like I've seen baseball, basketball, football, but I've never seen baseball, wrestling, football. I just haven't seen it. That's an interesting combination. You know, what has prompted you to do that in an era where most everybody is moving to one sport in high school? You're kind of bringing that, that piece of things back. I mean, it's just something I've always done. Like when I was little, uh, we didn't really have a summer. So it was sports constantly. So I've just always been doing football, wrestling, and baseball, and not to talk myself up a little bit, but I've had a good amount of success at every sport, so there's not really been a reason for me to drop any of them. Yeah. You're a really tall guy for a wrestler. How, how do you kind of offset that? Um, I'm really tight. I, I hate talking about myself like this, but <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm, I, I'm real technical. I love like watching wrestling on YouTube videos, I, I kind of eat when it's wrestling season, I eat, sleep, breathe wrestling. Like I watch college wrestling and I think I'm real technical because I don't have much of an off season to, re to really put on weight and get strong. So I just study, study film and study wrestling. Art likes to watch wrestling videos on YouTube too, but that's probably <laughs> another story for another time. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, mostly, mostly the rock, some, some, <laughs> You know, some some early Undertaker. Um, how does how does that the wrestling though? How does what you take from wrestling? How does that help you maybe on the football field? Because usually guys who play both sports aren't skill position guys. You know what I mean? 
it's a lot of times uh -huh. there'll be offensive linemen. So how does the stuff you're able to take from wrestling apply to football maybe? Um, well, like shooting and wrestling is just like tackling and football, um, yeah. as well as I think the quickness of my feet and shooting helps me as a receiver because I got to get in and out of breaks quickly. And also just the mentality from wrestling. If you can wrestle, everything else in life will be easy. So I think the mentality is a big thing as well. So, to, you know, you guys have had already, you're only four games into it, but you've already had a pretty eventful season. You had the, the tough start against Charlottesville and then your punt return kind of helped break things open a little bit. Why are you guys able to find these sort of different ways to win football games right now? Um, I, I think it's our mentality. Uh, like on, on defense, you know, we really just get down and we grind. And I don't think we ever get too high or too low. We're kind of even all the time. And so nothing really phases us. Like uh, at school after Charlottesville, everyone was talking to us and they would be like, oh, weren't you guys so nervous about being down 14-0? And while you are a little nervous, I knew that we weren't going to get too low. We weren't going to overdo ourselves and we were just going to play football. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's the same thing, like, it felt like in that Goochland game that that was obviously it was tight and, and challenging. You know, what what did you guys do to kind of stay stay in and on the road there? I mean, coach just talked about uh, playing sound fundamental football. Uh, I mean, as it got down to it, it was just a ground uh, grinding game. They were trying to run the ball. We were trying to run the ball and our physicality won out at the end of the game. So that's kind of how uh, we won that game. You were talking earlier about the collective football IQ that you guys all have as a group. How much do you think that maybe helped you guys even coming into camp in the summer, just hit the ground running since you were all pretty well-versed in what you were, what was expected from you? How much do you think that helped you guys maybe hit the ground running and get the ball rolling the way you've been able to once the season got started? I mean, it's great. Like, you know, the UVA guys, their football is their lives too. Um, so a funny story, a little branching off, but I remember when we, when we played Monticello in the spring and I was at safety and Dakota was at linebacker and Monticello lined up and Dakota says, oh, they're running uh, outside trap, outside trap. And they ran outside trap because Dakota, like they just know what's going on at all times, whether it's because of film study or they just have the football IQ. Everyone, they just know what's going on. How special is this group? You know, beyond the football IQ, it seems like you guys have a lot of chemistry as well. I mean, yeah, of course. Uh, it's kind of funny because I was listening to uh, the podcast with Paul and he was like, yeah, we've played together our whole lives growing up, but we really didn't play with uh, each other growing up too much because Carson, Dakota, and like Josh, they moved here in middle school. So we really haven't got to play with them. So I think we still are making that bond and we can still get better within ourselves because we, we're starting to understand how we play and we can feed, feed off each other. And I've like another thing, I had never caught, I didn't know who Nathan was until <laughs> football season this year so I think we can still build on our relationship and we can keep getting better awesome well Joey thanks so much for taking some time to join us I hope uh I hope we didn't grill you too hard there we're uh 
We're going to get back here after a quick break and we'll pick things back up uh, as we continue here on the Scrimmage Play podcast. All right, welcome back in here to the Scrimmage Play podcast brought to you by our sponsor, CNG Paven, Damon Dillman, Bart Isley back with us. Thanks again to Joey Birch for taking a couple minutes, taking a break from his homework, Bart. You can respect that. Uh, we're academics first over here, for sure. Absolutely. Scrimmage, the S in scrimmage play stands for uh, student, right? That's right. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, all right. We got to look back here on the previous week of high school football before we turn our attention to week six. We're going to start with the offensive players of the week, beginning with that quarterback out of Blue Ridge, Cam Brewer, with another big game statistically and another blue, big Blue Ridge win. Yeah, and Cam Brewer's tearing it up right now. He he's obviously feels really comfortable in this system, um, and, and you know they, they've just got it going. He's got a lot of weapons around him, so I think that helps a lot. Um, but 296 yards, four touchdowns, another 88 on the ground. Like I mean, he's he's a great dual threat. He's a big kid. Uh, he's rugged. He's tough. We've talked about him before, though. I mean, like some of this is just that he's got a lot of guys he can spread the ball to. Um, uh, Robbie Matos' kid is just. He's dynamite. Um, he's a lot of fun. And then you got the big tall target in Dearman Stewart. And then hey, it just keeps it keeps going down. And like they Fort Carden can catch it out of the backfield. Tanner Rocha, they got a fullback. I mean, they got all kinds of good weapons. They've done a nice job of reloading and the offensive line's doing enough to protect them right now. Before we move to the other side of the ball, I know there are a couple of guys from the JD who had some big games last week who you wanted to make sure get mentioned as well. Yeah, how do you not get excited about Ed McCarthy? Uh, <laughs> quality guy uh, and 177 rushing yards and two touchdowns uh, back with Joey a, mi a minute ago we talked about Caden Morrow Joey Burst said he's not surprised uh, but I definitely am at how well he's filled in uh, it filled the shoes of Austin Shiflett 123 rushing yards and a touchdown 7.7 yards per carry against a stout Goochland defense I mean Caden Morrow is just playing really good football right now and then Landon Wilson just keeps doing it every single week uh, against the Charlottesville team that was overmatched uh, by the Lions. A lot of teams are going to be overmatched by the Lions as we kind of go down the stretch here, I think. Uh, several teams, not a lot, several teams. Uh, but Landon Wilson, 116 passing yards, just four for eight, uh, passing 85 on the ground and a 55-yard touchdown run. He's a dual threat. Anybody that disagrees uh, is wrong. So uh, it's, <laughs> it's exciting to see. They kind of group that uh, they, there's a lot of offensive guys kind of stepping up right now. All right. Other side of the ball on defense. If you saw the top plays of the week, you saw Albemarle's Malik Washington make that one handed interception in the shutout of Monticello. I know you wanted to start with him as we look back at the top defensive players of last week. Buddy of mine who lives outside the area, but keeps up with, with things going on had uh, some issues with generally with quarterback play uh, in the Central Virginia area. We just pick City this week on the top plays. And <laughs> Malik was one of them. Um, uh, One-handed pick, just a tremendous play. Uh, that secondary for Almar is just so tough. There's just not a lot of space. There's not a lot of way. Jacob Terry on one side, Malik Washington on the other. When you've got boundary corners like that, and then you've got the kind of athletes that they've got kind of roaming in the other spots, I mean, they're just a, a real challenge to find somewhere to throw on. That's what Monticello found out as they kind of had to take to the air after getting down early. So um, really tough group. Malik is incredibly – he's just a very lockdown corner. He just plays – and he plays in a real fast, plays bigger than he even is. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous uh, football player. 
Yeah, you talked about all those interceptions on the top plays. Another one was from Shea Jeffers and William Monroe. And you have to go back. And if you haven't seen it, you have to see the one-handed pick right there on the sideline against Manassas Park. He's another one of those guys. There are a couple more guys on defense who you wanted to spotlight here quickly. Yeah, four four of the eight top plays were picks. It continues with Jeffers. And that one was maybe the most sort of dynamic and and nuts. I mean, he's pulling that thing in while diving out of bounds and staying in bounds. And he got the foot down, yeah. Oh, man, it's just a tough play. And then just shifting gears from not maybe the turnovers, although they did create a lot of turnovers, but the Western linebacking core, what they did against Goochland is really impressive. Goochland can get can hurt you two different ways. You know, they can hurt you passing, they can hurt you running now. Um, and so you are forced to play this sort of hybrid defense and you have to react to, to what's going on. You can force the issue a little bit, but you have to make sure that you've got it straight that you're spying, that you're doing the right things against C.J. Towns and Carson Tujay, Joshua Williams, Ross Bassett, and Dakota Howell. Those guys stepped up in a big way for Western, just really locked things up. Um, just an incredible group by that whole unit. Um, they, they just were, they were ready to go in that game, and uh, that made things really challenging on Goochland. Yeah, and uh, we were just talking to Joey Birch earlier. He had another one of those interceptions in the top plays of the week from that Western defense. So switching gears now, but staying with Western Albemarle, the C&G paving road grader of the week. You talked about Caden Morrow's big night against Goochland earlier, but it was in part because of the work by some of those guys in front of him. Yeah, C&G road grader of the week this week, Spencer Burnett. Um, you know, we have talked about a lot of these Western offensive linemen. We talked about them with Joey Birch, um, but this guy, this guy plays right guard and you know maybe not, that's not the that's not the big high dollar position maybe in the NFL but in high school if you've got guards you've got a run game and these guys it, it, Ross Bassett on the other side and Burnett over on the right um, are just tremendous they're really quick pullers very technically sound Spencer is just I don't know I, I, he's just a lot of fun to watch because whether it's double teaming whether it's, you know, uh, him having to go up a level, like the guy's just capable of doing whatever they need him to do. And they just run. So, you know, everything between the tackles is really slick and Morrow just needs, you know, uh, he barely needs a crease because he's, he's just so slick with his hips and the way that he kind of moves through, you know, through the line, but he's getting big, huge holes right now. Um, And, you know, it's, they didn't, just destroy Goochland. But when it came down to it, they were able to move the ball so effectively on that final drive. Ed Redmond said it's the first time he can remember since he's been there that they were able to close a game out by running the ball and holding on to it and knocking it out. And they did that, finished with that field goal, maybe didn't get the touchdown that they wanted, but finished with a field goal and that put the game out of reach. So Spencer Burnett, easy pick for me uh, as, as C&G road grader of the week. All right, and before we turn our attention to week six, we want to thank really quickly SP's presenting sponsor, CNG Paving. If you want your paving and asphalt job done right, the first time you want CNG to knock it out. With 30 years of experience under owner Jeff Gray, this family-owned business has been taking care of roads, parking lots, and driveways across Central Virginia for decades. And with a five-star rating on Facebook, you know they're going to get it right. Give them a call at 540-456. 6179 for a free estimate. Thanks again to CNG Paving. And now, Bart, we're at the halfway point of this high school football season here in Central Virginia, looking ahead to week six. And well, 
it's been an interesting year so far. It's early in JD play still. Obviously, things are going to get sorted out here over this back half of the schedule, but it's a tightly bunched group of teams, maybe behind Louisa, but a tightly bunched group of teams in the standings, and we're going to see how this all kind of shakes out here on the back half. Yeah, number one, I want to take a second to just appreciate how well you read that phone number. That was awesome. <laughs> that so. was jerky boy style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved it, man. The parody in the JD, it, like, it, there does seem to be, there seem to be more strong teams than there were in the spring and definitely when they were a year ago. And I think that that's going to make things really interesting. Uh, I keep going back to it, but Joey Burst talks about it, really a, a, a tough stretch coming up for Western. Um, you know, they, they've got Almar, Louisa. I mean, there's, there's some really challenging games right here in the middle for them. Louisa, same thing. I mean, like this back half of the schedule, sometimes it looked like that Louisa could kind of get going downhill and then they're just kind of sliding into the playoffs ready to go. But Louisa is going to have some battles. It's going to be a challenge. Maybe, possibly, I don't know if they're going to have some battles, but it certainly seems like that the other teams have stepped their game up while Louisa has continued to elevate what they're doing. So I think that we're going to see some really fun, exciting matchups here down the stretch. I'm excited about Almar Louisa, excited about Western Louisa, excited this week about Almar versus Orange. I mean, that, that is, you know, Orange is in that mix too. I mean, you got Almar, Western, Louisa, Orange, like all those teams just seem like they're playing really good football right now. And I think it's going to be fun to see, you know, who can kind of shake this out. We, I think we've got a real potential race down the stretch. Um, and Louisa may change that in a couple of weeks. You know, they've got the potential to do that. Western may change that in a couple of weeks. Maybe it'll be decided. But I think we, we could have a situation where we're coming down to the wire on this. And I think that's really fun to fun to see, you know, when it's it has in the last few years felt a little bit predictable, felt like an, a, a coronation um, more than anything for, for the Kings out there in Louisa. So um, I think that there's a there's reason to think that there's going to be some challenges down the stretch for all these teams because I think everybody's playing some really good football. Yeah, and you mentioned Albemarle versus Orange this week, and let's kind of spotlight that game a little bit more because those are two teams that obviously got off to really strong starts, picked up some really nice wins on the non-district schedule, and now here they are at this halfway point. And I think for the winner of this one, it's really an opportunity here for either of these teams to kind of get some momentum going into that back half of the schedule, going into the meat of JD play. And like you said, with so much parity, this could be a significant win, probably will be a significant win for whoever gets this one on Friday night. Yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, and the thing is, is that these are the kind of games that if you win them, that's the difference between, you know, maybe both these teams are going to get in the playoffs. It looks pretty likely, but maybe this is the kind of win that's the difference between getting to host and having to hit the road. You know, or maybe this is the kind of, when that's the difference between, you know, being, you know, however the seating kind of shakes out being, you know, on that top half or not. I mean, I think that that's, these are the kind of games you got to win if you want to be an elite program. And I think that, you know, Almar faces a really interesting challenge in Paul Poirier. We know what kind of athlete he is. He does a little bit of everything for orange. Um, and, you know, I think they've had a week to rest. Um, and I think that that, that changes things when a guy like that gets a chance to kind of get fresh and kind of get his legs back. Um, so I think that Poirier is obviously job one, two, three, and four for Albemarle. And I think if they can figure that piece, uh, that, that will be huge. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side, Orange has to figure out a way to stop the run. They struggled a little bit. I think it was Culpepper uh, where they struggled a little bit to stop the run. Um, they've had, you know, they've run into some decent backs. They had a little bit of trouble with it against Harrisonburg, but I think that 
Ed McCarthy's a really unique back. He's got some guys open in some big holes for him. I love what Dalton Tate does up there up front. I mean, he's, he's, he's got some guys who can play, and I think that uh, they're going to have to figure out how to stop that run. And even if you do stop that run, Amaje Parker can hit, hurt you in a lot of different ways. So um, a, a real challenge for both defenses. Um, and I, th- I think maybe maybe that one does have the potential to become a shootout, and that could be a lot of fun, um, you know, who, whoever's covered it. I don't know. I like games that only last about an hour and a half. That's, that's my preference. <laughs> but um, somebody could be getting that game, and that could be they could be looking at a four-hour uh, Donnybrook out there. So uh, that should be a really fun football game this week, though. Yeah, and the only way you keep Paul Poirier out of the top plays is uh, when Orange doesn't play on a Friday night. Got to put him on the shelf. Got to put him on the shelf. <laughs> Friend of the program, Paul Poirier. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap up this week's edition of the Scrimmage Play podcast. Uh, we'll be back here next week as we – recap this week six and look ahead as we start getting into October and these games the importance gets a little bit more the significance a little bit more each week as we get deeper into October for Bart Isley I'm Damon Dillman want to thank you for listening and we'll see you next week